0: Hey friends, welcome to the South Bend City Church Podcast, another teaching episode. Uh, today you're going to get to hear from Ryan Yezel on our team, uh, and uh, another member of our community, Michael Yoder, who bring a conversation to the podcast today, um, sort of a teaching conversation. Uh, you're going to really uh, enjoy it, and I think you're going to get a lot out of it. Um, hey, we are, we're continuing to move through COVID, and uh, if you're listening to this when it's released, uh, it's early May. And uh, our governor just announced uh, some plans to ease restrictions on different types of public gathering in the next few weeks and months. And if you're paying attention to that, you might have seen um, that there was some exceptions carved out from for churches, and uh, that might have raised some questions for you about our plan. And what I'll tell you right now is we do not have a date on the calendar uh, for when we're going to resume our public gatherings. We're trying to pay close attention um, to public health officials and We also know that COVID is a local thing wherever you are, and that it's really important to understand whether a gathering like ours would create uh, risk for people and how much risk. And we're trying to take our cue from uh, the people who know best. And so anyway, uh, we're going to keep this going for a while. The podcast, social media, you can always find us on Sunday mornings right now. Uh, 9.30 a.m. Instagram and 10 a.m. Facebook, those are live, and we're going to keep doing that while we're suspended, and we've got some other ways that we're continuing to try to um, give you our best during this season and be a community together, so stay tuned into the email newsletter. If you're not signed up, go to the, to the website and sign up for that, and uh, in the meantime, um, in these weeks after Easter, we have been just trying to listen to the life and the teachings, and the impact of jesus the resurrected one and uh, so today ryan and michael are going to take us into some of uh, jesus's teachings and really put them into conversation with everything that we're experiencing during covid Uh, so i hope that you will uh, give your attention to this i think it's really really helpful Uh, we
1: miss you friends we will see you soon hey everybody this is ryan and uh welcoming you to the south bend city church podcast um yeah, so this is a week, however many, into, into COVID. Uh, and so we're all just figuring this out. And one of the things we're trying to do is uh, just see what what comes from the opportunity to, to think a little differently about things. So several weeks ago, uh, it was my week uh, to teach and did it sermon style. Um, which was a little interesting, especially for my personality type, to just sit and feel like I was talking to a wall. So I was like, what if we did it different this time? Uh, so yeah, so this week it's still um, hopefully bringing forward some content and some teaching. Uh, but I decided that we would try conversation style. And so I brought in my good friend Michael Yoder is here with me.
2: Ryan, thanks for having me, man.
1: Yeah, I'm super excited. So uh, if you don't know uh, Michael or... You might know him as Michael. You might know him as Yoder. Um, I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth during this. Um, I'll I'll try for Michael because I realize Yoder is ambiguous in some parts of the state, right? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) I uh, I taught Sunday school um, in Napanee, Indiana, uh, which is kind of Amish country. Yeah. And I remember, still remember teaching a group of freshman boys one year. And this is back before cell phones. This is, uh, you know, landline phones and phone books. And I remember one of them telling me how frustrating it was to have a crush on a girl with the last name Yoder, because then you had to ask her her father's name if you wanted to look her up in the phone book. That's
2: amazing. Yeah, we have a ton of Yoders where I'm from. Probably half Amish, but there's there's a ton of them.
1: Yeah, well, here right now in South Bend, you are the Yoder in my life. So I appreciate that, man. That yes. feels good. But I, I will try for Michael today as well. Um, but yeah, so good to have you here with us. And just want to start off checking in um, with how we're doing and seeing how you're doing. Again, week four, five, whatever, into COVID. What's going on with you?
2: I think things are starting to settle down for us in the Yoder household. I think last week I finally found and maybe the week before that, my footing a little bit, like I became used to the new normal, if you will, you know, the, the normalcy of the unnormal started to just kind of creep in. And um, the first couple of weeks, I'll be honest, it wasn't great. I remember my friend bringing me over groceries and uh, my wife has a compromised immune system. Okay. okay. So We've been doing our part we don't know how she would react you know if she got this so we've been really social distancing um and i lost my largest client within like a week and then my friend brought me over groceries and i was and i lost it Mm -hmm. i like started crying i was like i don't know how we're gonna make it through this yeah but since that moment like i've done i've tried to be intentional about working on my mental health as a seven like it's so hard man to be locked i love my wife to death, but it's so hard to just be confined to who you're able to interact with. I was actually giddy on my way over here because this is the first time I've actually been in person with someone else, um, for weeks. Yeah. So this, this was, this was a treat. So that's a long, long winded way of saying like, we're on the up and up. Like I, the lights
1: personally for our house, the lights at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, that's great. I, th- I think you're, uh, one of the people I know that I feel is as extroverted if not more than i am (laughs) and i I feel that there's um yeah i feel like uh, i I resonate with what you're going through in the middle of that also you're a podcasting guy this is what you do so just making sure you didn't like wish this world of everybody shifting (laughs) to digital communication on us or anything
2: no it was an interesting thing too because i i started this whole process with thinking how this is going to affect other people and that's just kind of like the privilege that I've come from like wow this is going to be really hard for people this is going to be really hard for small business owners and then slowly and slowly and slowly I started to have this realization that holy cow this is going to be hard for me like it used to be I was thinking oh wow other people are going to lose clients from this and then it started shifting to no this is dramatically affecting my life yeah and so no I didn't wish this uh and it's been it's been good and bad for the podcast community, to be completely honest.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: So I, what about you, man? Like I, I called you yesterday as we were prepping for this thing, and I said, hey, man, how, how are you doing? And because I could tell um, when I called you, you weren't your chipper self. <laughs> and you're like, uh, not good, man.
1: Yeah, I'm not very good at hiding uh, how I'm doing, am I? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think when this whole thing started, and this is kind of a pattern I've noticed in my life, um I kind of have this curious fascination even with um uh kind of natural disasters or whatever (laughs) you know like if if there's like a tornado warning like I have this you know instead of being afraid of it I have this kind of like secret entertainment of the whole uh just drama of it I guess right and um so I think when this thing first hit there was this newness and this curiosity even this excitement of like this you know staying at home thing um and then that definitely transitioned for me uh, several weeks in, probably took several weeks to wear off, um, and just kind of hit this spot where, you know, not not just boredom, but, um, you know, I've I've had some bouts of depression over time, yeah. and I feel like that was coming back in. Um, thankfully, like uh, like the depression I've faced isn't the, the level of darkness that many face. Um, so I'm thankful for that and mindful that, um, my story is not the same as others, right? But, but certainly that, that began to set in. And uh, yeah, over the last couple of weeks then just kind of hit this point where nothing feels right. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's like you have like a, like when you're hungry, that hunger in the pit of your stomach, but like in your brain or your emotions, right? That, that just things don't feel right. And um, so yeah, quite honestly, it's been, it's been pretty difficult for me over the last, last couple of weeks
2: what have you done with that like how have you handled that like what yeah <laughs> where do you, what what's that look like for Ryan Hazel
1: uh I, poorly i've han- <laughs> handled it poorly i think uh, so the nature of me is to try and scramble to fix everything right to like make everything better and so i feel like once you hit that like that kind of apathetic depressive state that i was um maybe you know i just probably stayed in that for a little bit and then it was kind of like Oh, heck no. Like I gotta, I gotta figure this out. You know, I gotta do something. And then it was just this kind of frantic search for control, right. To, to get life back to the way it used to be. And so, you know, you're looking for like digital recreations or approximations of all the things you used to do. Um, like zoom hangouts with people. Yeah. Zoom hangouts and, and how
2: those, like, to be honest, like, what have you thought of zoom hangouts?
1: Yeah, so, so here's the the analogy that comes to me, and I, I'm the king of bad analogies. If you know, <laughs> I'm bad so excited to
2: hear stuff. this because I have no idea what you're going to say. Uh,
1: it's like, okay, so um, my wife's mostly a vegetarian. I spent time as a vegetarian for a while, and I, I remember during that time, like I would get a craving for a hamburger. Yeah. Like, it's just, oh, it's been so long since I've had like the beef of a just a really good hamburger, right? Like, and I think anybody who's like, Uh, has tested vegetarianism for a while but is really a meat lover like me has probably felt this. And so you go out and then you find like a veggie burger and somebody's like, oh, this is a really good veggie burger, right? And I would eat that veggie burger and invariably I would agree that it was tasty and that it was good and I wasn't hungry anymore when I ate it. But I also, it didn't scratch the itch of wanting a hamburger either. And if, if anything that fake approximation only made me want the real thing even more, right?
2: So it, it left a little to be desired is what you're saying.
1: Yeah, not only a little to be desired, but it just kind of emphasizes uh, what you're missing. Like, yeah. it, it reminds you and makes you mm-hmm. miss, you know. So so when I have Zoom calls with people, with, with friends, on one hand, it's good, and it is doing something yeah. for me. Um, but on the other hand, it's just reminding me, like, the depth of, how much of this I, I like you said like i'm so privileged right now to be sitting in a real room with the real you <laughs> six <laughs> feet away uh right now that i'm giddy about this yeah. right you know um yeah and, and so i think these approximations I've you know trying to gain control trying to make things like it were, and, and then you know I've, I've scrambled in a bunch of other ways um we did the thing we we bought the puppy um, <laughs> Congratulations, which I, which I now realize is has become like a COVID meme <laughs> almost of people buying puppies during this time. Right. Um, lots of reasons for it. Like partially Yoder, you have, uh, your yellow lab chai, yep. um, that I was falling in love with. So we got a yellow lab, uh, and, and that, in that pursuit name, it, what's the name? Uh, dandelion or love dandy. It. Yeah. So maybe she can show up in a Instagram live or Facebook yeah. live with us. Soon. Um, yeah. So, so we did the thing, but it's this effort to like, you know, get back to life It's like, if we get a dog, then I'll get out and walk, you know, it'll give me reason to get out and walk <laughs> and it'll give me, you know, the girl's purpose, you know, uh, my daughter some, something to take care of, you know? And, and it was just this, like, if we get this dog, then everything will yeah. be better. Right. Cause we'll, uh, you know, we may be not doing the same work, but we'll have this work to set our hands to right. And we'll feel better about it. Um, but, that's only caused more stress, right, as well, right? Anybody who's had a puppy. And then it
2: literally rained for 10 days, so you couldn't walk if you wanted to.
1: Yes. So now we have a a puppy that we're not getting sleep, (laughs) right, and we have stress. So, like, the two good things that could come from, like, quarantine is maybe you get more sleep and maybe you have less stress. And Louis threw all that out the window, too. So, But I think that's symptomatic of what we're dealing with or what I'm dealing with, at least, is, like, in my efforts to scramble to reclaim normalcy. Um, it's kind of like quicksand. The more I struggle, the more, the more it draws me in and pulls me deeper.
2: So let's kind of frame this a little bit. You're a pastor. This is the church podcast for those kind of going through very similar feelings. Like I'm sitting here nodding my head, shaking in agreement. Like, yes, I resonate. I resonate. I resonate. Like what's, what's the answer for this? Like how do we, how do we move forward?
1: yeah that's the that's the damning question right um because here i am a a pastor that i've known for the last month that i was going to be teaching this week and i feel like i'm supposed to have some wisdom of i'm supposed to present that i'm able to overcome this and i'm able to feel good and if we just do these things that we see in the bible then all of us will overcome and uh feel good as well but i just don't know that the answers are that easy um
2: I mean, I, yeah, we talked on the phone last night and I said, like, are you, you sure we we got this down <laughs> tomorrow? Because, like, I don't feel like we have any answers.
1: Yeah. And and I, th- I think that's the point. Um, and, and that's what I came to in this is seeing, like, what I'm going through, what we're going through. Our lack of answers, maybe there's something to dig deeper into it there. Uh, So, when I was planning this week a long time ago, back when we were expecting it to be a sermon, you know, it was like, we're going to do a Jesus week. And, you know, Jason said that I could pick any story of Jesus that kind of resonated with me. And I was like, oh, right away, like my go to is Sermon on the Mount, you know, Jesus presenting this um, new way of being human, this countercultural way. And I resonated right away with the story of, uh, uh, the lessons of, you know, if someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to them the other cheek. And I've just always loved those stories, um, because of their countercultural nature, right? Like what, what does it mean to, to, to be Christian, to follow Jesus? You know, here's this really clear way in which we see and interact with the world differently. Right. So I was excited to, to talk about just from that. And then COVID comes in, right. And, uh, it kind of casts a whole new lens on on that passage that strikes me differently now and so the big idea that's coming from that passage for me that i want to discuss here is this what if resisting the urge to make everything okay is what begins to make things okay when we stop the struggle when we re- we release the grasping for every single thing we can latch on to, fix our problems, to fix our circumstances, what if resisting the urge to make everything okay is what begins to make things okay?
2: I don't know if it's my seven in me or just human nature, but my, my lack of ability sometimes to just sit in that uneasiness or sit in pain like is, is terrifying. Like I, I will almost try to do anything else other than just sit in the not being okay. Yeah. Almost every single time.
1: Yeah. And I don't know if I'm a seven or what I am. Yeah. I, I joke that I'm divergent.
2: Yeah. Sorry for all the Enneagram talk. That's just yeah. kind of where my mind goes.
1: Yeah. So, so for sevens, you're dealing with the world a- in a way that's uh, looking to escape pain yep. and to find joy in the midst of everything. Right. And, and I think I resonate a lot with that, but I'm also part of me is, is a problem solver, yeah. right? Like when something's wrong, like you analyze that and you find out what you can do to fix it right so the the idea in any situation is to to fix the problem right so this concept that we would even talk about resisting the urge to control and make everything okay is something that, that is very foreign to me to even think about and
2: the irony here with i think with covid is the way to fix this is literally by doing nothing it's literally sitting in your house right and so it's countercultural to everything I've been taught, you've been taught like, Hey, we got to go fix this. Right. It's just, no, you just got to sit there. Right. And you got to be with your thoughts and you got to be with yourself and your spouse. If you know, you have to just, just sit and be
1: at the very least. It's, it's not the American way. <laughs> no, yeah,
2: that is very true.
1: Yeah. It's not the, it's not the, the culture we're surrounded with, The uh, the work hard, get things done. Uh, you can do anything you set your mind to, uh, it, those kinds of ways of thinking don't really fit here.
2: What do you? What's that coming from? From this passage?
1: Uh yeah. So how do we get here? Um, whoa,
2: whoa, whoa, no, I. Oh. What What do you mean by that?
1: Oh, um, so basically, the thought that what if resisting the urge to make everything okay is what begins to make things okay? Um, like, like, how did you get there from gotcha. from the Sermon on the Mount?
2: So how did you get from the Sermon on the Mount to that big idea of what if resisting the urge to make things okay is how we make things okay? Like, draw me the lines to get there.
1: Yeah, well, I'll read the passage in a second to to kind of talk through that. But one of the things that I think we need to understand and we too often miss when reading the Bible is the context of it. Um, I think especially in America where things especially in America in uh, the middle class and for those like me uh, I have privileges of my maleness and my whiteness um, uh, my educational background my socioeconomic uh, background and inheritance Um, you know so I have all these things and so it's easy to to read the scriptures sometimes and kind of uh, project that context onto them right that it's written to other people who are similarly well-off like you are just Mm -hmm. teaching them how to be the best people possible. Um, But one of the things we need to understand just again is what the people were going through, right? So the people Jesus was speaking to in the Sermon on the Mount were the people of Israel who had been living in their hometowns and their homeland under Roman occupation for multiple generations already, right? So uh, they're living in a place where somebody else at any point in time, can come and tell them what to do and what they can't do. Hmm. They can inflict harm upon them without any retribution or, or any rights uh, to, to be able to respond to that. Um, so they're in the middle of a crisis, a long-term crisis, right? And you know, if, if I'm projecting my own phases upon them, like this is not the early phases that, you know, it's new enough that it's not. Uh, getting to you too badly. Th- this has been generations that they've been going through. So they're at a breaking mm. point yeah. uh, with feeling so frustrated at the mistreatment uh, that they're feeling under this occupation, right? So the words of Jesus are coming to people in the midst of a crisis similar to ours, but far greater in magnitude, right? Cause it's, it's not just been a couple months. It's been years. It's been years. It's been generations, right? Um, so th- into that struggle, is where these words come. And uh, I'm opening uh, the passage I'm looking at is in Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, starting with Matthew 5, verse 38, and running through verse 42. It says this. Jesus is preaching, and he says, You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. And if someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic let him have your cloak as well. And if someone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. All right, so to these people who are dealing with conflict, he steps in, and the first thing he's saying is like, hey, you're dealing with these frustrations and and this conflict. Um, And the first thing he says is, you've heard it said, right? And when he's saying you've heard it said, he's saying like, People, are, there, there's a normal way to think about this thing, right? There's a normal approach. There's a normal uh, way of living. There's like a popular wisdom uh, of how to handle things, right? Um, and for them, uh, it, it's the the idea of justice of an eye for an eye and a tooth yeah. for a tooth, right? And and that's actually not a horrible concept of justice either, right? Like there's there's at least fairness in there, if not um, overly simplistic fairness built into that right um so he's saying you know you have ways that you've been taught life should go right that you should have you should be treated fairly that that you have a right to be treated fairly and that injustices that come to you need to be pushed back against right um and i think as we think of our circumstances too there would be these you have heard it said right and yep. In the midst of our crisis, like how many, how many pieces of advice have you heard? <laughs> Lots. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people saying again, like, oh, you just need to, you know, if you just exercise regularly or if you just come up with a digital approximation for everything you used to do before, you know, yep. then it'll work. And, oh, you
2: need to be meditating daily to help your mental stress.
1: Yeah. You need to find purpose and you need to you know, be productive. Do, use this to do all those things that have been sitting around your house, staring at you for all this time.
2: You can come out of this quarantine 15 pounds lighter. No, you cannot. (laughs) No, I cannot.
1: (laughs) Uh, Amen to that. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So there's this, you have been said, right? uh, Or you have heard, right? It has been said, Uh, but Jesus speaks to that. And he says, instead of those things that are all, all the fixes you've heard for your problems of what you need to do. And, and again, those fixes had pushed the people of Israel, right? So there were people who were fighting back, you know, against the injustices coming to them. Um, he gives this advice, and the interesting advice in, in these sections, right? You have the, like, if someone strikes you on your cheek, turn to them the other as well. Uh, if somebody wants your coat, give them your shirt as well. Uh, if somebody asks you to go one mile, go two with them. These are all actual things that they would have experienced at the hands of the Roman occupiers, Right. A Roman soldier or a Roman government official could could do whatever they wanted or ask whatever they wanted from the people. And the people just didn't have the ability to do anything about it. Um,
2: and that none of those examples sound fun. Like none of those sound ideal. None of those sound like I can't wait to let someone hit me again.
1: Right. Can you imagine living your life? And and if you had to list the four, you know, four of the biggest frustrations of living under occupation, right? And you list these four things or what what would, you know, four biggest frustrations of of living under social isolation that we're doing now. And then have Jesus come forward and say like, hey, when you're feeling frustrated by this thing, uh, instead of fighting back, turn the other cheek. Right, when you're feeling like everything is being taken from you, uh, don't worry about it. Lean, lean further into it and give more. When you're concerned about your finances, uh, instead of protecting your finances, like go ahead and still give generously when somebody asks of you.
2: I already feel myself getting annoyed. Yeah. Honestly, like I'm like, okay, I get it. I need. I should probably do this, but there's. I'm. It's not easy.
1: Yeah, and, and I think it's tough for a, a couple of reasons. One is that those responses from Jesus are not accomplishing anything helpful mm. for them as far as their yep. circumstances, right? Like turning the other cheek will not free you from a Roman occupation. Like it's not going to happen. Uh, like going the extra mile with a Roman soldier who asks you to carry their stuff is not going to get you out of yep. your your oppressive circumstances, right? So on one hand, it's like, thanks a lot, Jesus, but this is just not effective, <laughs> <laughs> right? And on the other hand, it's like, And on top of that, and on top of not being effective, it it feels like you're putting salt in the wound, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're adding burden onto what I'm already frustrating with.
2: So let's take, uh, I guess, maybe a step back before we move forward a little bit. Like historically, Ryan, how has this passage kind of been interpreted by different people, different scholars, different parts of churches?
1: Yeah, so there's a whole range of it, right? Because part of it is it's not popular to, to, to think about these things, right? To think about turning the other cheek and everything. And certainly there's some literalists who have said, yeah, this is what Jesus said and this is what Jesus meant that we're supposed to turn on the other cheek, right? And so people, uh, you know, you have movements such as pacifism that yep. has come from this that says under no circumstances do we do anything but turn the other cheek, right? Um, and uh, you live life in that way. This is This is very serious. Um, but there's other people who have looked at that and kind of dismissed that side of things. And there's people who look at the words of Jesus here and the things he's asking us to do and say like, no, that's too much. That's too far. He couldn't possibly be asking us to do this because it doesn't work in life. (laughs) It's not effective for changing the world or producing, uh, different circumstances of the world. And so people have said that, you know, Jesus is exaggerating. He's speaking a hyperbole, um, and that he wouldn't really want us to turn the other cheek. Um, but I just want to step back and say, I think that dismissing Jesus here as not being literal or serious is somewhat problematic. Um, especially because it's often, Jesus is often dismissed here by people who are the first to be literal about other ways of interpreting the Bible throughout. Right. Um, so people who look at, at passages in Paul and passages in the Old Testament and still hold very literally to that will ironically look at this passage from Jesus and say, I don't know if he's being literal there. And so I think there's some questions to be asked.
2: So if that's the case, what is Jesus doing here?
1: Yeah, I, I think I'm going to take Jesus literally, right? So yes, there's passages where we see Paul talking about the role of governments, you know, and maintaining order. And yes, there's passages in the Old Testaments where there's, you know, capital punishment and other things. But if we're going to say we have to interpret the Old Testament and Jesus, or Paul and Jesus, I'm going to always try and err on the side of saying we need to understand those others through the lens of Jesus here. So I think we should take Jesus seriously. And I think that, Jesus asking us to turn the other cheek and asking us to go the extra mile and asking us to to give even when it's difficult uh, is consistent with other other themes such as Sabbath day or Mm -hmm. tithing, right? Which are all these concepts of saying we're going to let go of control a little bit (laughs) for the sake of something, for the sake of growth. We're going on Sabbath. You know, wisdom says work seven days a week, work as hard as you can. That's the way to get ahead. Sabbath says, what if we didn't? <laughs> what, if, what if we took a day off? And what would that do to us? What kinds of people would we become, right? And so I think what Jesus is doing here is shifting our priorities. Hmm. Um, he's saying when everything in us wants to return to the status quo, when everything in us wants to keep functioning the way things have always functioned and returning to the way things used to be, uh, what if this, oppor- this season was an opportunity For something more. So what if we didn't fight back? You know, what if we didn't minimize our losses at all costs? What kind of people would we become? Or perhaps for us today, uh, you know, I don't know about you, Michael. What if we don't obsess about our productivity?
2: Yeah. Like, what does it look like to not be so busy? Right. For the first time in, um, for months, I don't have something every night of the week. Yeah. Like I went from hanging out with people almost every single night to I haven't seen people in months. Yep.
1: Yeah. What if What if we let go of control of our image, mm. of this need to present ourselves as having it all together and looking our best and performing our best at all points in times.
2: And that goes physically, <laughs> you know, like we can't get haircuts. Yeah. Uh, man.
1: That's good. That's good. (laughs) I I feel like actually on the haircut thing, everybody else is just finally, uh, this is the great equalizer for me. (laughs) I don't have a lot to work with. Uh, But yeah, like what if instead of resisting all these things, we start to ask ourselves the question, what kind of people do we become if we're not looking to get back to the old way of doing things? If we're not looking to get back to the old normal.
2: And I keep hearing like that the old normal is gone. Like moving forward, there's going to be a new normal that exists that's going to come into what we currently now know. And the old normal might never come back. So we got to be somewhat okay with that, right?
1: Yeah, I I think there's that that question of uh, what do we look like moving forward, right? Hmm. Whether the old normal ever returns. But also asking the question, like, where did the old normal get us? Yeah right cuz the old normal seems to get us like as soon as life changed just the slightest for us you know i'm still here in america like i'm still here thankfully like i'm somebody a- 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 in my position right now that like i still have a employment right so i'm not even concerned about that and yet the way life has taught me to function throughout life has led me to like i'm cracking <laughs> yeah like just in the midst of this which is just scraping the surface yep. of injustice of what people around the world uh, experience, right? Uh, so what has the old normal even gotten us? Uh, I think it is a question as far as like making us the types of people that are full of grace and peace and goodness.
2: Because hmm. it's gotten us a lot of things, um, but maybe those things don't hold as much value as what you're saying.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it certainly accomplished something, right? Yeah, for sure. Like, the, the pattern of life is geared towards taking us in a direction. But I think it's fair to ask the question, like, what direction is that, right? So the, the eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth accomplished something. Yeah. But did it accomplish the peace and goodness uh, of God and, and a people that reflect grace and generosity to the world? Because I think what Jesus is saying, is, it, it didn't accomplish that. Right. And, and so we have to ask ourselves a question, the things that we're trying to return to, right, or at least the way of thinking that's driving those things. Um, is that part of the thing that's keeping us in the difficult position we are? Right. And, and what can come if we start to, like, let go of these things? One of my favorite um, one of my favorite uh, authors He's a speaker, a guy who's kind of been a mentor to me from a distance. Is Jonathan Brooks? Uh, he's a he goes by Pastor Jay. He's a pastor in Chicago. He's uh, a man, by yeah. the way. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, and he's lived his life uh, in the neighborhood he grew up in, uh, which has uh, had its challenges over time. But he and his family have lived there. Um, and one of the things he he said that struck me one time uh, is like everybody wants to accomplish something, right? You want to you want to to you know have your business be the most successful possible or even from a ministry perspective you want to make a difference in the most lives possible or care for the most people possible and he said what if all the work you're doing in your neighborhood uh, what if the the only thing changing in your neighborhood is you <laughs> right like w- what if you're coming into and you're sacri- working and sacrificing for something for some goal whatever that goal is uh and what if the, if that goal isn't being advanced very much? But what if there's goodness and fruit being produced in you? Like, are we okay if we're changing, even if our circumstances aren't changing? And, and as they got their independence, we see them moving down a path to establishing their own kingdom, their own empire. Uh, the people of Israel started to take everything that they hated about Egypt, the slavery, the armies the massive wealth inequality, all those things. And under the rules of King David and King Solomon, the people of Israel started to do all of those things. They built their own armies. They had their own slaves. They accumulated massive wealth that they kept for themselves at the expense of other people. They continued the same way of life. Mm-hmm. They got life back to normal. They followed the the way things had always gone but they just did it in a way that benefited them, right? But then you see the response to the call of Jesus, right? The people who have been in the midst of this crisis hear the words of Jesus and have this different message. It's not how do you get back to normal? How do we, how do we make things okay? But more, how do we become the type of people that God would have us become? And you see these, these examples. One is in Acts 2 and 4 where we're told the f- believers, right as Jesus has left them to return to the Father, we see them meeting together and it says they are sharing everything in common so that none among them had any need, right? And again, I, I tend to think of this as, as well, that's the bankers, that's the wealthy people, you know, they're sharing. No, these are people who are in crisis and in the midst of their crisis, instead of securing advancement for themselves, they're treating each other with generosity. And the final example I love comes from Second Corinthians chapter 8, 1 and 2. Paul is writing to encourage people with a a church that's encouraged him. He says this, And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of their most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up into rich generosity. Hmm. I read that, and I remember the first time reading that, I was just shocked. Uh, Out of their most severe trial their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up into rich generosity. That's not at all the normal way of thinking, and no way is that a you-have-heard-it-said way of thinking. This is an entirely way of thinking that comes through trial and in the midst of trial. So the question that comes from that for us is what will well up from our severe trial or our extreme poverty of the moment. Well, what will well up in, in, in us? Who will we become? In what way will resisting the urge to get back to normal be the thing that maybe begins to make things okay? And in what way will you begin to find life by releasing the compulsion to return to life as normal? Michael, thanks so much for this conversation. Um, I've enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. Like just, again, sitting in a room with somebody is great. And it, and it's so much better than talking. Michael, you are better to talk to than talking to a wall. So <laughs> Well,
2: that's good. I am glad that I am at least one step above a wall.
1: That's <laughs> <laughs> You multiple steps, multiple steps. Uh, friends, let me uh, pray for you and just know that I love you and I'm thankful for you and I can't wait until we can be present together once again. God, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you that you understand and empathize uh the celebrations we have and also the darkness we feel at times i thank you that you don't expect us to uh have our act together at all times or to uh, get everything productive and keep everything on the tracks Uh, but god that you uh, walk through with us and want to produce goodness and peace and grace in us in the midst of the trials that we face Be with anybody out there who's hurting, uh, and may they know your presence is with them right there in the midst of their pain, uh, not just when it's going to be over someday. In the name of Jesus, amen. Grace and peace.